Ladies and gentlemen, welcome out to Pikapi Podcast, the Pokemon anime podcast on episode 240. How did we make it so far? Sometimes I wonder, but this is a show where we go through each episode of the Pokemon anime um, from episode one straight on through with all the specials, movies thrown in there. So yeah, being on episode 240 is kind of a big deal. And only 10 away from 250. That milestone of milestones. Basically five years, guys. Give or take. It's kind of amazing to think about. And Pikapi Podcast is brought to you by PokePress, helping us to be able to even get this far. PokePress is a site full of interviews in the Pokemon world, music and news and release dates, all sorts of interesting things. I don't know how they get to talk to some of these people, but they do. Most recently, they talked with Mark Chait, the co-writer of The Power of One, that great song that was sung by Donna Summers on the Pokemon 2000 soundtrack. And these are interviews with people that don't commonly get sought after. Like, nobody's invited this guy to an anime convention. Like, these are the kinds of interviews that maybe don't exist anywhere else. Like, maybe nobody has ever gotten to talk with these people about, you know, their work on Pokemon, which really makes PokePress's archive kind of a treasure trove. They have a channel on YouTube. You can check out PokePress there or at pokepress.blogspot.com. And of course, I'll have links posted in the show notes on my blog page. I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. And, you know, we're just going to get right into that. So... Episode 240, Some Like It Hot. So, it's hot outside. Ash manages to shield against the heat of the sun with his excitement for the upcoming battle once they reach Blackthorn City, Um, but it only lasts a while. Enthusiasm doesn't really block UV rays, Um, and eventually the heat starts to get to him too. It's just blistering outside, and the mountain road they're walking on has a lot of volcanoes and hot springs. No trees or shade, so it's a hard trek. Team Rocket thinks so too, but they've found a hot spring and are currently relaxing in the water. So much so, they actually think that maybe they'll just ignore the twerps today, let them walk on by. After all, dealing with them is so stressful. But then a geyser goes off and Team Rocket is sent blasting off by nature, so that ruins their serenity. Left with only the twerps to follow, um, we keep slugging through the heat and mountains only to find a strange Pokemon cross our path. A volcanic snail, Macargo. And it's got buddies. Macargo love this volcanic hot location. And Ash is impressed by the Pokemon, but I guess it's way too hot, like he's too tired to catch it or something. I am a little surprised he didn't try, but for whatever reason he doesn't, the kids keep on walking 
until they find the road blocked by a sleeping macargo, a, a huge one, and the kids can't get around. It reminds me of that time a Snorlax took a nap in the middle of the, of the road, and, and maybe Ash thinks so too, because he gets really super angry about the situation. <laughs> um, that could also be the heat frying his little brain, but really, he's very irritated and sarcastic. Like, genius move, sleeping in the road like that. Which wakes up and ticks off Macargo, this giant Macargo, and it starts shooting flamethrowers at them. Which doesn't cause the kids to eat humble pie and change their tune. They they get angrier and angrier, shaking their fists. You jerk! So more flamethrowers in retaliation. It's a cycle. Everyone's got a bad temper, and Macargo is definitely not moving out of the way. So Misty's a water-type trainer. She's pretty sure she can fix this. At least she could, if not for Psyduck. <laughs> oh, hey there, buddy. You get points for enthusiasm. Anyway, once Psyduck decides, no, it actually doesn't want to deal with this sorry Misty, she sends out Poliwhirl. And that works better, but even though Poliwhirl seems like it should have had the upper hand, it is eventually felled by a flamethrower so strong it actually collapses and Misty has to end the battle. Yes, that is not an easy feat. And in the background, a kid just laughs, like, ha ha, you're a terrible trainer, ha, you lost, sort of thing. Um, and then when he has Misty's attention, he moves to jump down from his little cliff so he can make fun of her more conveniently. And then, this is the great part, he notices that he's actually too high up to jump from there. Brock points that out as well, but the kid decides, like, he's already made his decision. He, he decided he was going to do it, so he can't back out now, and he jumps, plummets to the ground, and lands on his face. And Ash is like, kid, are you okay? Because even I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and the kid's like, I'm fine. It was a clever ploy to get my opponent to lower their guard. Anyway, this kid thinks Misty's battle style is too obvious, and that ending the battle was just running away or something. Like, he's happy to fight Macargo and show her how it's really done, um, but then Macargo starts sliding away, not listening to this kid at all. Um, the kid chases after, like, you know, calling in, Macargo, come back, but it's too late. The Pokemon is gone, and the kid blames Misty. Like, completely, and he calls her a bunch of awful names. Um, and we learn his own name amongst all of this. Um, it's Egan, the best fire Pokemon ever, the Prince of Fire. And, well, his ego is only outmatched by Misty the Water Princess, best of the past, present, and future. Ash and Brock are like, now, now, kids, settle down, unless you want a timeout, like, <laughs> I think they both know this situation is out of control, though. The insults keep flying, the trash talk he keeps piling, and I'm sure Ash is thinking to himself, like, wow, I hope this isn't what Gary and I look like. Because it's kind of awful. But the verbal battle keeps going, and eventually looks like it might evolve into an actual Pokemon battle. But then Egan suddenly says, you know what, you're not worth my time. And he just leaves. Out of fear of challenging a water Pokemon trainer, I don't know. Um, maybe he just wants to chase after Macargo. But a few minutes later, after Misty's finished griping and the kids resume their walk, they do see the kid running out of a cave. 
he's looking for that giant Macargo from earlier. Um, Misty's less inclined to help him, but eventually the Macargo crosses all of their paths and the kid takes a battle stance. After all, he thinks fire Pokemon are the best, so how could he not want to catch this Macargo? So he sends out his Flareon to battle, um, but the poor thing gets creamed. Just takes attack after attack after attack. But unlike Misty, Egan doesn't pull Flareon out of the fight. Just lets the poor thing keep going and taking punishment. Until it absolutely is trashed, and then Macargo leaves. Egan recalls Flareon in the Pokeball, and Misty starts laughing at him. Like, really laughing at him. She's just laying it on thick, so, of course, the angry words start up again. Like, she and Ash never even fight this bad. It's it's really kind of upsetting. Um, but Brock convinces the two of them to break for lunch, and during that, things kind of start to change almost as quickly as the rivalry started. Um, Egan admits he feels bad for pushing his Flareon for so long and through so much pain, and Misty concedes that Flareon looks well taken care of and happy. So, common ground established, the two can start having a real conversation. Egan talks about how when he's battling, he just gets so caught up in the fiery passion that he can lose track of everything else. Like, if he doesn't keep up the attacks, he'll just burn up. And I would guess that kind of applies to him outside of battle, too, because, like, that scene with the cliff, it's like, you know, he was all hot-headed and impulsive and ready to jump off it. Like, you know, Ash has done that, too, a few times. But even after he saw, like, oh... I will probably hurt myself if I do this and stopped. He still felt compelled to go through with the action just because everybody was expecting it. Like he was propelled along by that that fire inside him. And it's just interesting, I guess, that he recognizes that that's a problem in himself right now. Um, and Misty says that she can understand those feelings, like, despite being a water Pokemon trainer, she knows about an inner fire, and she's got that temper. That truly is something they have in common. Misty talks a bit about her love of water Pokemon, how they're always changing and adapting. No matter what the situation in battle, they adapt and can change their approach or attacks. And Egan thinks that's cool, but why didn't I see any of that while you were battling earlier? Seems Misty could take her own advice sometimes, but Egan is willing to consider these lessons from a water Pokemon trainer, so that's progress at least. And, and Egan is true to his word. When he next battles Macargo, he outmaneuvers Rockside by telling his Flareon to observe the flow of the rocks and to move with them. Um, rather than a full-on fire assault, Flareon changes its attacks based on what Macargo's doing, and it becomes a more maneuverable and adaptable fighter. The battle is very different than the first time he tried to fight at the beginning of the episode. Um, and this allows Egan to finally capture Macargo, just in time for Team Rocket to steal it. <laughs> yup, they're sick of being blown away by geysers and the like all episode. Time to quit relaxing and get back to what they think they do best. Um, and the motto seems to be challenging that touch baseball anime, or or just 80s baseball anime in general. It's very classic, and I approve. 
Well, the kids have got to save Macargo, and now that Misty has been making friends with the Fire Brigade, she steps up and has Poliwhirl use Water Gun to liberate the Pokémon. It works, but Jessie's not going down without a fight. She sends out Arbok, and then James sends out Victory Bell. But between Misty and Egan, you know, them working together, Team Rocket doesn't stand a chance. And then if Ash and Pikachu are backing them all up, like... Team Rocket just goes blasting out for the last time today. I think this is time four. Like, they hit a lot of geysers. I just glossed over them because really nothing happened. But the cumulative hole is kind of interesting. Um, And Misty and Egan, well, they started as rivals. And now they're pretty good friends, both admitting that the other side has some good points. Still, they're quick to banter. Um and kind of more good-natured trash-talking, but they leave on good terms, hoping to maybe see each other again and battle again. Or or rather, battle at all, because they technically didn't battle. Um, I don't know. For Misty, like, there is nothing subtle about this episode, and it's very simplistic, which is why I think I got through the whole episode in such a quick time. But I like it for her. Because as obnoxious as this kid is in the beginning, um, the show acknowledges that Misty is just as arrogant and egotistic um, as as seen in many earlier episodes from her. Um, but her friends have just kind of gotten used to her and, and she to them. Like, she has nothing to prove to them anymore. And so she's become content to just sit back for a bit and not try to one-up them all the time. Like... Her bickering with Ash has gotten much less, much less frequent, um, certainly much less hurtful, and a lot of her, and a lot of her conflict with Brock in some of her earlier episodes, like you know, it was never at the level that Ash was at, but she she kind of got after him a lot too. That has reduced as well, and she doesn't always feel the need to be like I'm the best and I'm the most beautiful, etc. But that's all still there. Now that she's been put back in a situation where, you know, people put her down or she has to prove herself, she gets real uppity and hard to deal with. Um, But also, on the flip side, she can come down from that anger and be a really kind and helpful person, too, even if the other person is only giving her an inch or two in return. So I kind of like it for her even though it's maybe not the best episode and certainly not the best character-driven episode, I still do like that Misty got something where we can both see that she has had some character development. She has gotten better at being able to take herself down (laughs) from the really high temper place. And, you know, she's become a little bit nicer and kinder to others and helpful. Um, But at the same time, showing that you know, she's not the quiet, nice girl that we sometimes mistake her for being because she often hangs back and lets Ash kind of take the front spotlight sort of thing. Misty's been hanging out in the background for a lot of episodes, kind of just quietly doing her thing and looking after Togepi, and we can forget that in her own way, she's just as brash and loud and arrogant as Ash on his worst days. (laughs) So for that reason, I do appreciate this episode. I do wish it was done a little better. Like, it was just so easy to gloss over so much in the narration. And like I said, subtlety, nuance, this this episode has never heard of them. <laughs> Even so, it's good to see that somebody on the writing staff cares about 
doing something for Misty, <laughs> giving her something to do in this show. Um, you can feel free to write in about your own thoughts on Misty and the writing that she sometimes gets. Um, you can do that by visiting pcappypodcast.blogspot.com or we're on Facebook and Twitter at pcappypodcast. You can download the show at iTunes or Zune, subscribe there, rate and review the like. Um, but most importantly, thank you for listening. We'll talk again next time about the next episode in our journey to Blackthorn City. Until then, this has been Peacappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all! <laughs> <laughs>